Who is it? What do you want? <laughs> How you doing? I'm all right. How about what have you been doing the last hour? <laughs> Nothing much. <laughs> Nothing worth repeating. <laughs> Talking to some idiot. What can I tell you? Uh, so, no bill tonight. You know, it's it's. I've come to to be used to, I guess, bookless bill because, let's face it, you know, it makes the synopses that much better. But <laughs> billless bill is a whole different level of of just disappointment. You know what? What the hell? Yeah, I'm not a fan of billless bill. Yeah, although it's you know it, it does make a uh, it does make a lot more sense. You know what I mean? Because well, there's I a like, lot of times I like the maximum billage. <laughs> Back to the bin. But yeah, oh, poor Bill. So what, he it's, was just tired tonight. Was that was that the lame excuse yeah. that we got? Just tired. Yeah. Like we're not tired. No, not at all. I, I think actually, to be fair, I think. Uh, as as we've all gone through on occasion, I think his job is putting him through the ringer right now. I don't think it's so much the work as it is the scheduling and the locations. Right. So I, I think you can appreciate that. Oh, yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> so as much as I want to bust his balls and complain to him, I, I do understand. So anyway, you and me, it's old style, dude. That's all right. I think we got a couple of really uh, fun books tonight. Some interesting books. Yeah, and and you know, you know uh, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, you said, uh, you know, what your book was, uh-huh. and then you know it's part three, right? So and and you know what, I'm going to just say it right out because it doesn't matter because you're going to go first anyway. So you you did Avengers number sixty three from two thousand and three. Uh huh. So you said it's part three. So I went to my uh, my Avengers complete DVD. And I pumped up, uh, punched up Avengers 61. I said, even though you're covering the third part of the book, I'm going to read all three parts. So I read 61, I read 62, and then I got to 63. I was like, huh, this isn't a continuation of those two. <laughs> and then, then, I, then I, I looked it up on the Marvel database, and I saw, okay, it's, it's continuing out of a Thor issue and an Iron Man issue. So I had to go find them and pull them out. But I have, I have read up, and I've... I've read the two lead-up stories to it and the book that you're covering. So I feel very prepared today. <laughs> All right. Well, I, did you want me to go first? Because, I mean, I know that chronologically my book comes first. However, um, your book is a holdover from last episode, or at least I presume it will air as the last episode, yes. which was our uh, our Coattails writing Civil War episode. So it was the book that you prepared for that, and then we ran out of time for you to do. So we can go either way. Because your, really. your book kind of set, sets the tone for why I picked the book that I, I picked. But either way. Well, 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 again, just going through it a little bit, the both stories that we're covering, although Civil War oriented as far as why, why they were picked, uh, have that fights between Iron Man and Thor. And as far as I know, Thor is not going to be in the movie. Right. Right. Uh, the book I picked, 
comes directly out of the Civil War story, though. Right. So it is, you know, it is related to the comic book Civil War book. And just that both of them have this Thor Iron Man clash and just the difference in how the clash goes, I find to be kind of interesting. Well, what's funny is when we were picking our books for last episode, and I think I may have said this in the episode, originally Bill had picked a book that was a Iron Man Hulk fight. And I had just said to him something to the effect of, you know, Hulk's not in this movie, right? And I know that he had originally uh, also thrown out an alternative idea. And I told him, I, I think you should run with the alternative, which he eventually did. That was the book he brought to the show. And, but you know, but then I was thinking about the book that, that you had picked, which, as you say, was Iron Man versus Thor. And again, Thor, not to the best of our knowledge, not in the Civil War movie. However, the reason that... You know, not like I have some sort of veto power or something, but the reason I, what I was going to say is the reason I gave it a pass, but you know what I mean. But the reason I didn't really say anything about it was that because with your book, that's a scene I hope we get, you know, depending on how Civil War the movie plays out compared to Civil War the, the whatever it was, limited series, I, I would like to see your book kind of sort of play out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe down the road, again, depending on how Civil War the film plays out, because I, I really like that book. So now I think we've sufficient, sufficiently teased the audience on what we're covering tonight. So Yeah, well, by the time this comes out, Civil War will already be opened. Ah. And, and I have, I have had some spoilers... On you know, unfortunately, I try to avoid spoilers. Right. But I've had I've, I've I was reading Entertainment Weekly and they kind of had a spoiler in there and I kind of you know I don't know if you want to hear anything. Sure. Uh, but basically, apparently, apparently there's some sort of a bombing and it sounds like it involves Wakanda. And the Winter Soldier gets framed for it, and that's going to be the impetus for the Civil War. Because Captain America is basically backing up his buddy and, and uh, you know, they want to arrest him and take it from there. So it, it's just interesting how that's going to happen. And it sounds to me like this is going to lay the groundwork because I'm guessing if there's an explosion in, in Wakanda that, uh, you know, no matter who's being blamed for it, I'm guessing it's Ulysses Claw who's doing it. Uh -huh. So I think it's going to lay the groundwork for the Black Panther movie that we're going to be getting. Right. And uh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. I already lost my own points. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it definitely looks to be interesting to me. Oh, the uh, the other guy we're getting in this is apparently we're getting uh, Baron Zemo. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I did hear about that. So I, I wonder if it's his machinations that kind of put all of this into play. That's what it seems like it's going to be. I'm very curious on, about that for several reasons. For one, I want to know which Baron is it. Is it the original Nazi Baron, like, you know, that would be more or less a contemporary of Cap himself? Or is this um, some descendant of his, like a son or grandson or something like that? I'm thinking it's the latter. Yeah. Because he, he's a you know a fairly young man in current times, so unless right. he has some sort of age retarding formula in him or something, I think it's got to be the uh, the latter. But uh, you know it, it's going to be interesting to see how all of that goes, and, and I'm wondering 
is the movie ultimately going to end, you know, Marvel team up style, where they all rally against the one, you know, one villain and set aside their differences, or does it end with, you know, crossbones shooting Cap, or you know, who knows what, where you go with that stuff? They all go out for ice cream. They go out, My- they go out for uh, some shawarma. Shawarma, there you go, shawarma ice cream. That's in fact, if you're in the mood for some shawarma when you're in New York, you know, <laughs> there are, are shawarma stands uh, along the street. Well, you know, my my personal prediction, here here's what I'm thinking. Pain? Is, well, yeah, there's that. But uh, my prediction is that there will be no mended fences at the end of, of the film, that that there will be some serious consequences where, where the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of fractured as far as friendships, as far as maybe even the Avengers proper goes, that things are not looking well, that there are serious divides and divisions amongst the the Earth-based heroes. And I think that it's going to be um, Avengers Infinity War that is going to help mend the fences because it's going to be one of those things where you know, you you and your brother, you and your sister may fight and squabble and argue and everything, but then when you know when somebody's beating her up on the school bus or something, you know, you're right there. It's that sort of thing. You know, is that they might be having their their little war and their little internal struggle and everything, but all of a sudden when Thanos comes a call and they're all going to pull together and then they're a team again. And it's I definitely end- think that's a possibility. Yeah. That that makes sense. But you can't. Well, you can, but I, I don't want them to end this on too much of a down note either. Well, I mean, I don't want it on a down note, but at the same rate, you know, if this ends up being some some form of the Empire Strikes Back of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm totally down with that, you know? Yeah, I'm okay with it being one of the greatest films of my lifetime. Oh, Jesus, you know, if they, if they end up bringing in the Ewoks <laughs> to help overthrow Thanos, how awesome would that be? And get the Black Widow in the... Uh... In the the Princess Leia bikini. Now you're talking, buddy. There we go. Captain America on a speeder bike. I am so down for this shit. So the other other thing, just in general uh, comic stuff, is I have completed watching season two of Daredevil. What'd you think? Uh, Overall, I really enjoyed it. I do think season one was more enjoyable to me. Really? That's on the strength of the Kingpin as the central antagonist this one as far as the antagonist I mean I think the Punisher was awesome I thought Elektra was good not not nearly at the level of the Punisher though Um, I thought the story was a little disjointed and I thought the okay now's the point in the story where the ninjas come piling in you know 30 of them coming down on ropes got a little repetitive but I still enjoyed the heck out of it right uh, I, I enjoyed the in in the you know spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched it, so you may want to jump ahead. But uh, I, I liked the fact that Foggy gets hired by the law firm from right. Jones. Right. I a, you know, I, I I get a kick out of those little moments that that remind me of the Marvel comics, where you know the, the crossovers are there, even if they're so minor as that. You know, that's like J. Jonah Jameson, you know, appearing in an, an issue of the Fantastic Four. Right. You know? So I, I like that kind of stuff. I, I, and, and, you know, the Punisher was awesome. The only problem I have with the Punisher at all, and this is a minor nitpick, I thought they could have, 
angled the camera just to make him look a little bigger. It, at least as filmed, I have no idea how big John, big or small John Berenthal is. But as filmed, I picture him as being somewhere around 5'8 or 5'9. And I think Frank Castle should be about 6'1. Hmm. That's that's an interesting observation. I never even. I don't think I ever noticed. That's that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, now, I mean, now I'm anxious to go back and rewatch because I've been thinking about rewatching it anyway. Which is funny because I enjoyed season one. I, I, I you know credit it with making me actually care about Daredevil for pretty much my first time ever. But I so much more enjoyed season two. Um, just because of the Punisher. And I really liked the fact that they didn't make me wait for what I wanted most. I mean, just knowing that season two was going to feature him, I figured it would be, you know, halfway through the series or something, and then he would come in and it would be for a couple of episodes. And the fact that um, he was a major focus of it thrilled me no end. Uh, I really liked um, Shane's portrayal of him. But it actually was to the detriment of Daredevil because I liked the Punisher in this so much that it got to a point that whenever they went back and reminded you, oh, by the way, this is Daredevil's show, I found myself going, yeah, 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 don't care. Cut back to the Punisher, please. So after a time, I became increasingly annoyed whenever they would go back to Daredevil, whose show it is, you know? But uh, I really like. I'm hoping that the rumors are true that uh, that the Punisher will actually get his own series out of this or, or one shot movie or whatever the the current rumor is. But uh, yeah, I, I think that is all just rumor right now. I don't think yeah. there's any confirmation or anything like that. But I do think word is getting out that people are interested in seeing that. So I I, I got to think Marvel, you know, is going to hear that and say, okay, maybe we got a hit here. Maybe we should do something with this. I wouldn't mind it being, you know, go. I wouldn't mind them swapping from this. To a theatrical movie with him, yeah. Instead, of, instead they could do it as a series. That's fine, or they could do it as as a two hour movie. I, you know, I, I, I'd more want to see them go the series route. I think that they could spend a little more time on characterization and stuff, and and uh, I, I don't know that anybody, even Marvel, as as brazen and ballsy as they can be right now with doing things like you know throwing in Howard the Duck into Guardians and things like that. I don't know that even they want to do the Punisher movie right now because, I mean, you know, we've had three, you know, epic failures with that character theatrically. Now, I personally, I loved uh, Warzone, but I think I'm the only person on the planet that did, you know? You know, I, I still haven't seen it. I, you need to see it. I, I'm, I would be very curious what you would think about it because... For one thing, I'm not really sure what your stance is on, on the Punisher as a character, but the the thing that annoys me with that movie is when people just rip it to shreds and, and they're applying all these like movie critic standards to it. It's the Punisher. He shoots the shit out of bad guys. End of story. What are you looking for? Shakespeare? Because you're not going to get that. You know, You should know going into a Punisher movie that that's not what you're going to get. You're going to get a pissed off guy that's going after the mob and killing the shit out of him. That's what, that's it. That That's all you're getting. So these people that go in and they're, and they're you know, well, I didn't like this and and all their stupid criticism. And it's like, you know, it, as so long as it nails the, the character and, and, 
and his very basic motivations and, and gives you what you want as far as the action and everything, then I don't understand with that particular iteration why it didn't connect better with people that purport to be fans of the character because it's dead on. I mean, that particular iteration of the Punisher, it's I mean, it's right off the comic page. I don't know why people didn't get didn't connect with that one better, but I don't know what the hell. I'm, I'm going to need to watch it, and I'll, I'll let you know. Did you ever see Dirty Laundry? You know, I didn't. I I need to watch that. I thought that was I me- really good. I remember you recommending that to me, and I totally forgot to to uh, watch it. I I actually looked it up and bookmarked the page and everything, and then I never did get around to watching it. But right, I well, need when to. we end this call, you're going to watch it. <laughs> But, and I think you're going to enjoy it, honestly. It's it's. I think it's ten minutes long, so it's not a big deal. But I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Now that's uh, it's, um, it's kind of it's kind. I think it is Thomas Jane's attempt to do what what uh, what's his name did with Deadpool, right? You know, to to put something out there for the fans to see and have them clamor to get it get him back in the role. Unfortunately, right. and it was a, a you know was very well received by the fans, but they never did follow up on it and make a movie. But I'd, anyway, I'd like uh, to see him get another crack at it because I I didn't think he was bad at, in hmm. his turn as the the Punisher. It's just the movie. I didn't think just, he was bad, but I thought a lot of elements of the movie. Yeah, were. the movie around him just wasn't all that great. Um, but in particular, setting it in Florida and having John Travolta as the main villain. Yeah, no kidding. But, but uh, you know, but, but his, my take uh, on the Punisher in general is similar in a lot of ways to my take on The Walking Dead. I really enjoy it, but after a while, unless the writer gets kind of creative, it gets a little repetitive. Right. So you kind of need a break from it every once in a while and then go back and revisit it later. Like, I I, I can't stay with, like, a Punisher regular series for too long, usually. Uh, And and that's the way The Walking Dead is. I mean, The Walking Dead has been becoming, to me, incredibly repetitious, where it's, okay, we find a place where we think we're safe. Oh, we're not safe there. No, okay, now we overcame that, but we found another place where we think we're safe. Uh, you know what? We're still not safe. Right. You know, it's like just the same thing over and over again. And I enjoy it in, in small doses, but when you take it as a whole, sometimes it's like, okay, you know, I feel like I, you know, deja vu. And right. I, I feel like the Punisher can be a little bit like that, too. He can. I thought that was the, the brilliance of the Max series, though, is that um, on the surface of it, it kind of seemed like that was sort of the thing that was going on at first was that it was just, you know, wash, rinse, repeat with the Punisher. He would, he would find out about, you know, a, a certain person or a group of bad guys or whatever. He'd come up with some plan and he'd take them all out. And it, it seemed on the surface of it that that was it over and over again. But you began to piece together over the course of the series that, storylines and and it was done very much in well for one it was in the kind of the writing for the trade style but it was also it was like little mini series within the series so mm-hmm. for one thing you could kind of drop in and drop out you know if that was your thing and just pick up particular storylines but if you read the entire thing as a whole while there were certain portions of it that might get a little repetitive you could kind of see where the writer was building to something and then when he finally concluded his run he brought it all full circle and made you realize that he'd been telling this epic length story the entire time that tied all these diverse elements of the story all together 
and really added a lot of character development to the Punisher himself. And I, I thought it was brilliantly written. I really enjoyed it because, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's got to be a tough character to write for any length of time because he's very one note in a lot of ways. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's bitter and pissed off about the death of his family, so he goes out and he, he kills criminals. You know, how much story is there in that? I think the story has got to rise and fall on the quality of the villains then. Right. You know, and and you need a writer who's going to be creative with those villains and create obstacles that are going to be very, very difficult for Frank to overcome right. and then be creative in how he gets out of it. It was one of the things about the series Breaking Bad that I, I loved. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched it. No. It's It was awesome. I, I consider it to be the best dramatic series I've ever seen. It's, it's that good. Uh, but... The main character kept getting into these situations where you were like, well, that's it. He's dead. There's no way he's getting out of this. And then he would get out. And it was always done in a believable way. Hmm. So, you know, that that's what I think you need, that level of writing or that, that quality of writing with The Punisher in order to really make it interesting. Otherwise, it falls into, like you say, wash, rinse, repeat. Right. So, you know, and, and I thought... It, I thought it was done really, really well in this series to take this full circle and bring us back to Daredevil. They gave you his story and they gave you, you know, they gave his character some depth, but they never overplayed their hand with him. Right. They, they never showed you so much that you feel like you know everything that's going on. They really never let you in on, you know, what he's planning or what he's going to do. Which kind of made it interesting, you know, I, I would think, you know, and maybe it's because I don't have the imagination needed to be a writer. I would think that would be one of the ways of attacking it is show you how he's coming up with the plans to to, to overcome something and, and what he's doing and how his mind is working. But they really never did show us that in this. And and it's still, you know, it made his character very compelling. It, you know, was, he, he had a, an element of an air of mystery about him. Right. Even though you knew his background. And and. Again, I think John Barenthal did a tremendous job of portraying him. Yeah, uh, he was fantastic. And that's the only, that's the only reason why I wouldn't want Thomas Jane to repeat the role is John Barenthal did so well with it. Well, you know, why would I want to get rid of John Barenthal at this point? Like I said, my, my my biggest nitpick is just you know just shoot him at an angle to make him look a little bigger. And maybe some of that is because you know he came up against the kingpin, who's you know supposed to be huge. And, right. and one of my complaints about the Kingpin in the first movie was, as, as powerful as he was, he's supposed to be, in my mind, just one level shy of superpowered, that he's supposed to be so strong. You know? And, and they didn't quite give him that. I uh, didn't like you know, that he constantly looked like he was on the verge of crying. I didn't quite understand, is that just the, the, the actor's natural facial look and expression? Or was I think that... it is. Okay, yeah, because I couldn't quite figure that. I didn't know if that was something he was bringing to the role or if that was him, you know, if that was his actual face. But he did. There was so many times over the course of both seasons where I just thought the, the kingpin looked kind of weak, like, like he was literally on the verge of tears. And I didn't quite get what the actor was going for you know in the portrayal if it wasn't you know his actual look but i don't know i mean that 
I don't mean that as a as a as a criticism or anything. If that's just you know, if that's just the way the guy looks, but you know what I mean. He just yeah, he you had know, that kind of. I, I don't know. It was kind of weird because I think of the, I think of the kingpin as kind of, you know, scowly and you know, harsh businessman and all that sort of thing. But he didn't. There was a lot of this. Actors. I thought he gave more of that in, in his in his limited appearance in season two. Yeah. Yeah, I he, thought he gave more of that. He was more cold and calculating. Right. Yeah, I did think he was much closer this season than he was the, the first season. What uh, I found interesting in the first season was he was portrayed, and this is not meant to be uh, insensitive or, or an insult to anybody, so I apologize for anybody who has this, this in their family, but he was kind of portrayed as borderline autistic. Right, yeah. You know, in, in the repetition and the way he did things and his inability to, you know, to like, go beyond the the moment you know like he would get lost in the moment a little bit and right you know I've, i don't have a lot of dealings with autism but i do have friends who who have you know children who are autistic and and, and i've picked up some things and that seems to be one of the uh you know one of the, the, the trademarks or, or things that you see and just to keep myself from seeming insensitive to it for the last five years i've walked in the autism fundraising walk each year so, <laughs> so i'm not i'm certainly not cold to the uh to, to the problem there right but I, I i thought that was an interesting choice in how he was portrayed in the series and i think it was totally intentional i can see that yeah i agree well i think we've uh I think you, we, we've done our, our preamble <laughs> all right did you want me to to take the first book totally your call all right i'll go ahead and take the first book i have a synopsis written and everything Ooh, look at you and khan never shows up just letting you know <laughs> all right so this is avengers number 63 or avengers number 478 if you prefer because this was the era where marvel was slowly starting to sneak back in in lighter colored ink on the cover uh, the original number, like if they had never ended uh, the first volume of some of their books that ended, and then the characters went off to, uh, what the hell was that, Heroes Reborn, and then uh, Heroes Return, and all that sort of thing. So they were doing this with a number of the books. And and technically, the... this is volume three. Right, yep, correct. Um, so again, I'm just going to call it Avengers number 63, um, cover dated March, 2003. This was actually on sale according to Mike's amazing world on January 29th, 2003. Original cover price was $2 and 25 cents. Cover on this is by Alan Davis and Mark Farmer, who also provide the interior art. Uh, I've been a long time Alan Davis fan and that's kind of how this, whole story arc uh this whole storyline came to my attention was the cover that was on the chapter of this before this was a three-way crossover between thor iron man and then it wrapped up here in the avengers and the iron man cover was the one that caught my eye when it was on the stand at that time i don't believe i was actually buying any marvel comics but you know you had this stunning cover of Iron Man in a completely different armor going up against Thor, and it was drawn by Alan Davis, and it just caught my eye. 
and because all three issues were on the stand at the same time, I snapped them up just out of pure curiosity and uh, and just fell in love. I thought this was a really cool storyline, and a lot of it has to do with that great Alan Davis art. I just think he is uh, one of those underappreciated artists, uh, one of those guys I just don't hear get enough talk. Anyway, uh, this particular chapter of the story is uh, written by Jeff Johns. Yes, that Jeff Johns. This uh, chapter of the story is called simply Standoff Part 3. This is Part 3 of 3. So we open to Captain America taking the brunt of a shockwave generated by the clash between Thor, God of Thunder, and reigning Lord of Asgard. Uh, Something has happened to Odin. Odin had died, I believe. And Iron Man, clad in his spanking new Thor Buster armor. Now, you've heard of the Hulk Buster armor, of course. You saw it in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Did you know that he also has a Thor Buster armor? And he does. It debuted uh, in the prior chapter of this story. Cap reminisces about being blasted into the ice at the end of World War II and how the first voices he awoke to were these two men, his longtime friends and fellow Avengers, Now they're locked in combat against one another over the issue of the people of Slakovia who are being oppressed and slaughtered by their despotic ruler and have been praying to Thor for deliverance. The Thunder God has answered their prayers, but in doing so threatens to destabilize the entire region, possibly even starting World War III. Iron Man and Thor pound on each other mercilessly, all beautifully illustrated by Davis and Farmer, until Cap finally manages to put himself between his warring friends and try to talk them down. He seems to be getting through to them when suddenly a Slakovian cannon, remotely controlled by Doctor Doom, fires on Thor and pisses him off anew. The Lord of Asgard, flanked by Sif, Balder, and the Warriors Three, lay into the Slakovian army while Cap dispatches Iron Man to try to keep the Russians from becoming involved in the fight. Cap then makes another valiant attempt to talk Thor down, but is bitch-slapped clear across the battlefield for his trouble. Landing at the feet of the massed U.S. forces, Cap takes charge and defies both the CO in charge of the U.S. Army and the orders of the President of the United States, and succeeds in getting the troops to stand down. Cap, a glutton for punishment, returns to the battlefield and bravely, or foolishly, take your your pick, engages Thor in battle. Thor goes easy on him at first, but eventually tires of Cap's attacks and whacks the holy hell out of him with Mjolnir, actually denting Cap's shield. This act stuns the just-returned Iron Man and shocks Thor out of his battle rage. Suddenly remorse, Thor humbly fixes Cap's shield and uh, withdraws his forces to Asgard, where he angrily dismisses his council and then sits on his father's throne staring at a frame picture until finally he just casts it aside. This frame picture was of a trio of friends, the classic Avengers trio, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor, from bygone happier days. The End now, I have uh, really kind of cut this, this story down to the bare bones. There's a lot of stuff going on in here, uh, especially in uh, the prior chapters of the story. There's stuff with Doom. In the Iron Man chapter, there's stuff with Iron Man and, and some. it looks like he has a spy at Stark Industries or something. I don't know if that plays out beyond this particular story or if that guy was actually working for Doom. It was a, lot, a little bit tough to tell because I wasn't actually reading Iron Man 
um, at that time. I did read this entire run of Thor. This was Thor Volume 2, I think, if I'm not, not mistaken. Uh, I believe it is. I think that's correct. Yeah, and I read all of... Uh, there was not a Heroes Reborn Thor That's right, yeah. So, well, yeah. so it was Volume 2. Now, one of my outstanding questions about this particular story, though... And unfortunately, I, I did not. Um, I don't have an answer to my own questions. Maybe a, a savvy listener could uh, could write in and clue us in on this. But it's been a number of years since I read Thor Volume Two. But I know that a lot of events from that particular run, because at, at a particular time, and I c- couldn't tell you when this happened, but at, at some point, Dan Jurgens of Superman fame took over the book as far as being the regular writer and it was a hell of a good run this is right from that era this is when um something had happened to odin and thor assumed the throne and he brought asgard to earth and asgard actually hovered over new york city kind of like cloud city from star wars or something and that's where odin or excuse me that's where thor rather ruled from and beyond that, I start to get fuzzy. I know the story got really exciting. It was doing some some neat and interesting things with Thor. But I also know that at the end of the story, it involved... I'm not sure if time travel is the right word, but it, it involved some wonkiness to where I think a lot of the events then no longer happened. You know, they were kind of retconned away or, or, or you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure how that all went. I I was, when this particular Thor volume started, I was with it, but Mm -hmm. I had faded from it by the time this all happened. Well, between the start of the series, and I'm trying to remember who started it, it may have actually started right out of the gate with Dan Jurgens. I can't remember. I think it did. But it, uh, I know it started, and it was whoever the regular writer was, and um, John Romita Jr. was the artist. And then after Ramita left, the book kind of meandered for a while. And then, again, I couldn't tell you what number or exactly what storyline, but then it started to pick up. And then once it gained steam, it got into some really great stuff. And this, for all I can remember, this might actually be that storyline. I really don't remember, but I, I know that it did get really interesting and, it, and like i said it was doing some new and interesting things with thor it was it was being experimental it was taking him in, into some interesting places but at the end of the day you know as comics are wont to do they they eventually have to return you back to where you started from and you know reset the the, the pieces on the board which is what they did at the end so my outstanding question from this story is now is this story still in continuity or did it now never happen? Did, did this battle between these characters actually happen? Um, you know, does Tony actually have an, a Thor buster armor in his arsenal now, or was this all washed away when, you know, whatever happened later in Thor happened? I, I, that I don't know, but I think it's, uh, you know, as it stands, you know, as this three-chapter story, I, I think it's a hell of a good story. I really enjoy it. I think it's a little bit simple in its politics. I don't know that actually the motivations of every of all the players necessarily play out. But, you know, in, in three issues, I think it's actually a more interesting Civil War than Civil War. You know, the, the one that would come later. Um and it's I, and it's I, slightly less epic, but I don't disagree with you that it's probably better told. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I never felt like anybody was out of character, whereas there's a lot of Civil War that I feel is, is horribly out of character. Mm-hmm. At least with this one, I buy everyone doing what they're doing. You know what I mean? Because there's, yeah. there's a number of, of things and you know, moments. Um, well, it, it's I, I found it kind of fascinating, the aspect of the story, and I never saw this before because I hadn't read these before. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised because I, I thought I had read this part of the run of the Avengers, but I guess not. But the fact that there's this country where they've started to worship Thor or right. you know, I guess rekindled the worship of Thor, uh, you know, that hadn't existed on Earth in years. And, and I'm assuming that Gene Hendricks headed right over to that country for citizenship. <laughs> but like that's that's a storyline that up until this point, I don't think I ever read. And, and I like that. I don't think, you know, it's, it doesn't feel repetitive like so many other stories do nowadays because they've already told so many stories, it's hard to come up with new and original ideas. And I, and I think, I thought that was really cool, and the fact that he kind of got caught up in it. Right. You know, it, it's a very believable motivation. You know, in, in his mind, not only did he get caught up with the worship, but he also got caught up in the, I'm gonna protect these people because they do love me so much. Right. You know, they're, they're now under my, my protection. and and. I thought that was great, and Iron Man's motivation seemed perfectly reasonable too. The government is saying, "Hey, this guy's out of control. You know, please go and, and see what you can do." And you know, the army is willing to take, you know, more forceful steps. And he's convincing them, "No, no, no, I'll go talk to him." And and as the story begins, and you don't get that in this issue because again, there's two issues before this one. But he's making every effort to talk Thor down and not to fight with him. Right. And I, I really like that too because you know. Tony Stark in particular, I thought, was very, very poorly served by the Civil War story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's not the Iron Man we get here, and I really appreciate that. The Iron Man that we get here, I won't go so far as to say he does everything possible to make sure that they don't end up tussling, but he goes a hell of a lot farther in this than he ever does in Civil War, and he doesn't land in front of Thor and, and posture like an asshole... He lands and he says, I'm your friend, please don't... You know, he's trying to talk to him as a friend would talk to him, whereas I never really got that sense with, with Civil War. He he was more... He was more, more condescending in Civil War. He was talking yeah. down to people like, I know what's best for us, so you have to listen to me. Yeah, he was more Robert Downey Jr., I thought. In, in well, I'm hoping that. Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be portrayed that way in the movie i don't know yeah, I, I don't the trailers you know I, I don't i don't know i'm hoping you know it was the one thing about the civil war event that really bothered me ultimately and, and as you said some people are shown out of character and that bothered me as well but less so than the fact that mark miller who has apparently his own agenda in every story he writes talked about how he was going to present a conflict where both sides had a very, very reasonable point of view and that you could relate to both sides and that you could understand why they would clash brother against brother effectively. And yet what he portrayed was Cap being very, very reasonable and understanding how he would come to the conclusion he did and Tony being a total douche. Right. That's what he presented. Right. And, and I, I, you know, I, I found that to be bothersome because, you know, yes, Tony's supposed to have his faults and, and characters are much more interesting when you write them with flaws. But you shouldn't be writing your hero of 
50 years as not being at all heroic. And that's what he was, the way he was being written as far as I was concerned. Right. I agree. So what did you think? Did you like this? I loved it. It's good stuff, <laughs> I, it? I really do. I mean, and I'm, I'm talking about the three issues because I really can't separate them. Right. Uh, I, I think this needs to be read all three. And, you, you know, your synopsis is of the one and our ratings are going to be of the one. But I, I really just enjoyed the three of them very, very much. And, and uh, it, it again, it, it presented the Civil War kind of atmosphere, but in a more relatable way. Right. And the battle, you know, it, it's... I guess if you're going to do a brother versus brother fight effectively, I mean, you know, a fight that involves Thor, Cap, and Iron Man, you know, that that's the, the that's the big three, the Marvel big three. That's the trinity of Marvel. So it is effectively brother versus brother, and it's done even though it's you know it's it's a major war zone with armies and conflagrations and all sorts of things going on. But this is a much more personal story because they didn't have to get everybody in the Marvel universe involved in it. Right. So that, I think, allowed them to do some things with it. Having Doctor Doom behind the scenes kind of manipulating things, that was cool as well. And then having, you know, Cap look, thinking back to, you know, his time with, with you know, these men and how, how they've become basically his family. There's, there's a lot of depth to the story. It's very well written. And what I kind of liked about it is it's the three issues are done by the three creative teams for their series. Right. It's not that Jeff Johns took over all three books for three issues. They're, they're written by three different writers, they're drawn by three different artists, and yet they pl they blend together very, very well. Yeah. It, you, you know, you don't feel any kind of stark change in, in the storyline from one to the other. But just speaking on this one in general, because now this is where the clash comes down, uh, one of the questions I had, and he loses the Thor Buster armor very quickly here, but, you, and you don't really see it so much in this one, but in the, the, the issue before when he dons it, uh, it looks very, very much like the Destroyer armor. Yes. Yeah. And it's done with some Asgardian technology. He's got a, an Asgardian stone in the uh, chest plate that's powering it. Is it supposed to be using Destroyer technology? I believe so. I, I forget where... I heard that or where I knew that from, but I, I'm almost positive that that is the case. I don't think it's coincidental that it looks like the Destroyer. Right down to the kind of like the, the thing above his forehead. Right. That the Destroyer has like the, the faceplate looking thing that, that pops up from the Destroyer to, to expose his face so he could shoot, you know, the rays out. Because this, uh. this is this is really testing my, my memory muscle, but I, I want to say that when Thor, because right in the beginning of this volume of Thor, of, of Thor Volume 2, his first major thing that he has to do is fight the Destroyer. And I want to say it's issue 2 or 3. He gets killed. Thor gets killed by the Destroyer. And the Avengers are there when that happens. And possibly tony takes possession of the destroyer after they defeat him i think maybe i forget damn i wish i could remember this better but that might be part of where this all spins out of i i'm i just can't remember but yeah i mean there's it, it's not just coincidence that that the thorbuster armor looks like uh looks like the destroyer i have to say i 
greatly prefer the interior art to the cover art. I, I don't care for the cover art at all. Uh, of which of this of, of this issue of Avengers? The other two issues I like the covers, but we're not rating that one, those two. The okay. Avengers issue I don't like the cover. Thor's Thor's hammer basically breaking through an Avengers symbol, I guess, on a glass door. Is that maybe right? Yeah. Well, what's it, funny it, is it looks kind of amateurish to me. It, it doesn't look particularly compelling or dynamic. Well, if you ever get a chance to to put them all side by side, this is actually like a poster image, because you know on on Thor you have Thor with he, kind of his head down and and the people of Slakovia are like pulling at his cape and and begging for his assistance, and then on the cover of Iron Man it is Thorbuster Iron Man versus Thor, and then of course this one is is Thor's hammer smashing the glass. But behind all those images, and you don't really get this until you put those covers side by side, is that it is actually a, a like one big poster image of Thor in the background of all three of those themes, uh, scenes, smashing his hammer into that glass and, and smashing the A for the Avengers. And so maybe on a whole I'd appreciate it more, but right. as an individual, it falls flat for me. Hmm. I'm surprised. I, I like that. I, I think it's well <laughs> to each his own. Yeah, but I mean the interior art I think is excellent. Right. It's it's you know it, it it's got a little bit of a like a Steve McNiven feel only better. Right. Uh, it, very dynamic. Very well. You know, good storytelling. Good good expressions on the people's faces, not just poster images. Although there's a couple in here that could be poster images, but they don't just appear as poster images. If that, if I'm making any sense in the way right. I'm describing that, well, the uh, uh, the the one in here that that always stands out to me is the the full page splash where mm-hmm. Thor is just whacking the hell out of Captain America and Cap. I mean, Cap looks like that hurts. You know, he's he's bashing the shield and he just says. For I am their god. That's just, that's just an awesome panel. I mean, Thor yeah, I is huge, and he looks very Odin-like in that particular panel. You know, he's got the the full beard and the flowing hair and all that, and he's he's almost naked. You know, his his clothes, you know, his uh, what do you call it? The the war armor that he had is virtually all destroyed off, but it, it just looks great. And uh, it, you know, it's in the very next page that you realize that. You know just how epic a smack this really was, because he actually dented Cap's shield. Which, you know, we've seen Cap's shield, you know, take a, a beating over the years and even being broken a couple of times. But it's still, every time it happens, it's still one of those like, oh shit, moments. You know, well, although it does seem that he repairs it too easily. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it took this epic swing to dent it, but then when he fixes it, it, it just I just kind of like tap it back, like yeah. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's like he's uh, pounding the dent out of a of a fender or something. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, I do that's, like that's where... just kind of like, well, we have to fix this, so you know, right? Do do you really want you know an issue explaining how they fix it? No. Well, I so. I do really like you know in a, in a very offhanded way where Thor just says you know the power of Odin is stronger than one might think as he fixes the shield. I think that you know that's neat. Uh, I yeah, think the thing that worked. Me. The thing that works for me with this particular story is its moments. 
it has a lot of nice little moments, little character beats that, taken as a whole, really work well. Uh, you know, little things the characters say between each other. And um, a lot of that, uh, especially for this particular chapter, I'm going to credit to John's because that's the thing that he did um, on his run on uh, JSA that I liked so much, is that a lot of those stories have now kind of faded you know, are kind of, you know, dimly remembered as far as what the overall story or maybe what the threat was or whatever, but it's the character beats that's, that stick with me after I've forgotten what the the struggle was about kind of thing. Right. And that's the same thing with this, is there's a, just a lot of great character beats where I had forgotten what the hell they were fighting about, but I remembered some of these moments, and that's why this storyline always really stood out to me. Um. And, and like you say, I think it is interesting to note that all you know that while this story is very cohesive, and and tells one, you know, story that flows very well from issue to issue, yeah, all three chapters are, are written by a different writer. Now I'm sure they collaborated and everything, but it, it flows very well, um, and, and I think that that worked really well for this story. What's funny is that this is not the issue I was going to bring. Initially, I was going to bring the middle chapter because that's the one where the really epic tussle between just Iron Man and Thor happens. Because um, Iron Man, that, that issue starts where Iron Man has just landed on the, on the battlefield. And mm -hmm. he's basically trying to talk Thor down and Thor kind of draws a line in the sand and says, you know, cross it at your peril. And late in the issue, Iron Man comes back, now sporting his Thorbuster armor, and they throw down, and Cap just happens to show up at the very end of the issue. That's an epic issue, and that's the one I was going to bring, because for one thing, it's got a great cover. I love the cover on that. I'd love to see, like, a t-shirt or poster of that. I think it's a beautiful cover. But that's the one that was in my memory, and that's the one I was going to bring. But then, you know, like you said, I, I reread all three issues so that I'd have the story as a whole, you know, to work with, even though I was just doing one issue of it. And it was rereading that final chapter again that made me realize, you know what, as, as epic as the first two chapters are, this is where the shit really happens. You know, this is where, you know, all the best stuff happens is in this final chapter when it's all three of the characters. You know, you've got you know, Iron Man and Thor on completely different sides and poor Cap stuck in the middle. And and that's what really worked well for me on this is that although they do have a, a brief moment of battle between them, you know, Cap and Thor, ultimately Cap didn't take a side. You know, he, he gave Iron he Man just as much, them. yeah, just as much grief about their fight that he gave Thor. You know, he kind of equally blamed both of them for being out there and behaving the way that they were. And I, I liked that, 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 you know, that reminded me a lot of, um, you know, when we first see, you know, the Avengers on screen in, in, mm -hmm. you know, in the Avengers. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah. And, and I, I, obviously this predates that. And I wonder right. if it had an in, any influence over that scene. I, I remember and that one ends with him hitting the, the shield, too. Right. And I have often wondered, um, even from the first time I saw the Avengers in the theater, I often wondered if this was one of the stories that maybe they had looked at. If somehow maybe that had inspired some of the action that we saw uh, in that scene in the Avengers, because yeah, some of that is very similar to this, very similar. But yeah, I think that's great. Well, are we ready for for letter grades? Sure. Did you have anything else on this? 
No, that's pretty much it. I, I just, you know, I, I could, I could just, you know, ooze a little bit more about it, but, uh, <laughs> but that, that's really, I, I don't know. I don't have any nitpicks with it. It's almost like it's, it's easier for us to discuss when, when there's a book that has a lot of flaws in it. Right. Yeah. That is often, is the it, case. this is, this is just really well told story and, uh, you know, dynamic in the artwork, uh, Oh, you know, I'm just just I'm paging through it again as we're talking about it. I I really like the splash page early on when Cap is like approaching the two of them fighting, Mm -hmm. and and he's in the background and basically it's like the two of them are in an inferno, right? Man fighting, you know, you you know, you see the the bright basically fire with the two of them at the heart of it and Cap, Cap approaching it. You know the ground is all broken up around them. There's, you know, it, it's it, it almost reminds me of the Genesis planet before it exploded. Right. And it just just very very chew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he need, he needs beamed up to the to the Klingon bird. Thor should be saying he's had enough of Iron Man. <laughs> Kicking him off a cliff. Yeah, that is. That yeah, is just great. I mean, I, I just you know. I, I just think it's terrific. I, um, I, I, I thought I had read this, but apparently I never did because this was this was fun. I would, you know, if you have the the resources and if you have the time, I would highly recommend Thor Volume Two because uh, I, I think I thought it was really good stuff. I really enjoyed it, and uh, it it annoyed me greatly that I, if I'm remembering my Thor history correctly. It was the final chapter of that run. I, I think it's four issues, maybe, where they brought in that guy, what is his name, Om, Oming or whatever, and they brought him in to kind of clear the decks for the next iteration. They did Ragnarok. Yeah, and I didn't, I never liked that. I, I thought it did a disservice to um, Jurgens, who, who had a, I mean, he had a hell of a run. I, I really liked his run on Thor. Um, I may have to reread it because I, I seem to remember reading that and actually liking it, but maybe I don't know how I don't know how good my memory is on it. Right, eh, it's it's okay. A lot of my feelings on that particular writer um, come down to some of the things he's he's said publicly, um, and frankly, a lot of his his politics I find extremely annoying. But also, I mean, it, it was very clear that because. You know, Jurgens never seemed to get the numbers on that book. That you know, they it did feel very much like they just kind of okay, you're done, and you know, they they kind of reset the table. And I don't know, I, I just poor Dan Jurgens. That seems to happen to him a lot. I think with with you know, kind of the same sort of thing happened with Superman as well. And I just feel badly for him because mm. I think he's a I think he's a really good writer that doesn't get enough credit because I think a lot of people still see him as, you know, as just an artist. When I mean, he's a hell of an artist, but he's also a very good writer as well. Um, he's had a number of comic runs over the years that are, are really good that are sadly just way underrated. His work on Cap was really good, too. And uh, in one of those runs I never hear anybody talk about, but I thought he had a pretty solid run on that as well. So, I don't know. But uh, anyway, back to this as far as letter grades. Um, I really like the cover, but, you know, looking at it again and really paying attention to it, I think I can see 
what you're talking about because to a certain uh, degree it does have kind of that I hate to say amateurish but I can see where you're making that statement because it does have almost that you know photoshop's not the right word but like that computerized you know where they've moved things around you know and it's mm -hmm. and it's very computery so Taken as a whole between the three different covers that form that like poster-like image, I think it's fantastic. But looking at this again, just as what it is, you know, this, this fist holding the hammer coming through the glass, while I think it's dynamic, I, I can see what you're saying as far as the criticism of it. So, I don't know, it's, it's interesting, but I mean, it definitely did its job when it was new on the stands because i mean this and the iron man chapters of the story were the two that caught my eye and literally made me buy them right off the stands i'm not even sure if i really even picked them up and flipped through them that much i just was struck by the covers and i was like "Ooh, this looks cool you know thor's pissed off about something and and scarfed them up so i mean it, it did what it was supposed to do so i'm gonna say um I don't know. It's it's tough because it is a very simple cover, but it, it does the job, you know. I'm I'm gonna say uh, I'll say a B plus for the cover on this. I, I think there's definitely some you know still room for improvement on it, but overall I really like it. I think it's a cool cover. Uh, interior art. I'm gonna go straight up A plus on the interior art. I am a huge Alan Davis fan. I really like when he works with Mark Farmer. I think these guys are fantastic. I've long been a fan of Davis. Um, sadly, just one of those guys that just doesn't get enough kudos, doesn't get enough uh, talk. And I, I think he's a fantastic artist. A lot of it, too, with this uh, also has to do with um, the coloring, um, the way the, the colors and the inks really work in this. Uh, let's see, does it say? I'm not going to go into all that. It's, But, yeah, they, they, they do credit the, the colors on this as well. But it's, I mean, it's, it's you know, very much using computer and all that, but it really looks dynamic, you know, with the lightning strikes and the way that they're able to use uh, that computer effect color just looks fantastic, you know, where the light, the light's actually bright in the lightning strikes. I don't know how they do that in modern comics, but I, that always looks really cool to me where, you know, there's parts where because of things that are happening the page gets brighter that that's cool i'm not sure how they do that but it looks really neat you know like where cap is trying to work his way into the battle to get between his friends and there's so much energy being discharged that he can't get closer that that's pretty neat i really like that yeah, the, way, the way they play the contrast to you look at it, you almost feel like you need to put sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a static image on paper. How do they do that? But they, they do. It's neat. It, yeah, it actually that's pretty, gets, it, it is pretty incredible. It gets brighter. That is really neat. I, I have no idea how they pull that off, but it's so cool. It, it's, it's It really is. I mean, it's just white. That's all it is. Yeah. But the way they surround it with the yellow and everything and then have the yellow go to the orange and the red... Uh, you know, I guess it, it just creates, you know, like it draws your eye into it yeah. and just seems so bright in contrast. It's got to be an optical illusion, but it actually looks like the the brightness in the middle of the lightning strike is brighter than the white of the paper that it's printed on. And that's, that has to be an optical illusion 
You almost but feel it, like you can turn off the lights and still see it. Yeah, exactly. And and that it's just really neat. It, it's it has to be a trick of the eye, but it's an effective trick. It really does look like it's bright, and that that's neat on a static image. That is really cool how they're able to pull that off, and it's and it's really done to great effect. Same thing with uh, with Iron Man. You know, when he comes busting out of his Thorbuster armor in his classic armor, his Unibeam. Uh, you know, his chest symbol actually looks brighter than uh, than it should be. You know, for the for the paper that it's printed on. I, I think that's really cool. But anyway, uh, yeah, interior art on this straight up A plus. Uh, I love this. I think it's really really fantastic. I, I really like uh, the different effects that are done. Beautifully illustrated, beautifully colored, beautifully inked. I have no qualms with it at all. And story, it's. It's weird because it's it's a very simple story. Some of the motivations are a little wonky and everything. I, I think part of it is is that it's only three issues, so it moves maybe a little bit faster than it needs to to get the characters where they get to. But overall, I think it is still very effective. And I like... I didn't say much about it in my synopsis, but I really like the machinations of Doom in the background. This is This is doom the way i like him where he's actually he's kind of smarter than everybody else in this and at the end of the story while everybody else is you know the 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 trio here is fractured doom gets exactly what he wants because he ends up um after this is all said and done he just annexes the country which is what he wanted in the first place Mm -hmm. and uh, i think that's great so yeah i liked that as well and yet he never dirties his own hands exactly yeah he let the avengers do do all the dirty work for him and now they're set against each other and uh, you know so he just manipulated the chessboard essentially which was great um so yeah i i think i'm just going to give the story a straight up a uh a as well Uh, i think it's uh i think it's really good so overall um Overall, I'm just going to say an A book. I think it's fantastic. I think this is, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things we've talked about before, you know, of, of, you know, the Avengers have been around for so long, you know, but what are the really great stories that they've ever had over the years? And uh, I think this is one you could definitely point to. I think this is a great Avengers story. Yeah, and, and the fact that we think it, it may have been uh, adapted into the first movie. Right. Uh, you know, speaks to that as well, I think. Yep. All right, well, uh, the cover is my big my big problem because <laughs> I don't like the cover. I really don't. I don't know that this would get me to uh, to pick it up. But what about the cover of the Iron Man chapter, though? Would that have? Well, yeah, that would have. Okay. But that's not the one we. That's right. not the no, one you brought. No, no, I know, but I'm just. I was just. So I'm not, not going to rate that cover. I'm going to rate this cover as a standalone cover. And I really don't care for it. I, like I, I think I think you may have hit on it a little bit that there may be some computerization to the shards to try and make them fit together right and all. And uh, whether there is or there isn't, I, I don't really care for the way that that looks. Uh, even the angle that Thor's hand is holding the hammer at, I don't think that's how he would smash through the window. <laughs> the, the the detail really doesn't do anything for me. It's it's just not a compelling cover to me, so I'm, I'm going to say a C minus on the cover for me, and that's the end of my criticism. Because uh, the interior artwork, uh, you gave it an A plus. My initial inclination is I, I I am very hesitant to give A pluses on anything, and I'm I'm battling myself as to whether I say A or A plus on this. 
uh, it's certainly it's not a, crit- a crit- criticism at all. I just I like to save A plus for. You know what? It's an A plus. I'm sorry, because <laughs> I can't I can't criticize anything. There's not one panel I'm looking at and I'm saying, okay, that that's the one that's going to take it down to just an A. I I, I think it's well drawn. It's well paced. It tells the story well. Uh, it, it's just all around really really solid. So I'm going to say an A plus on the interior art. Story wise, I think. I think it's excellent. I think the three issues, uh, I, I don't even share your criticism that, that it should have been drawn out longer because then I think it would have been too decompressed. Yeah, so I, I think it's true. paced well over the three issues, and I'm good with it. So, you know, the first issue is more or less Thor's point of view. The second issue is more or less Iron Man's point of view. And the third issue is, okay, here's the Clash. Right. I'm, I'm pretty good with all of that. And, and the Clash is kind of thrown through Cap's point of, shown through Cap's point of view. Um. So I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say A plus on the story as well. I, I think this is one I was not familiar with, but I can easily see putting it on the list of best Avengers stories ever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on that. And, uh, so overall, uh, an A plus, an A plus, and a C minus averages out to an A. Now I'm curious if you'll know the book I'm talking about. I looked this up today. And this, these three issues were reprinted um, as part of an, you know, a, a larger selection of issues, all, all Thor issues, you know, all Thor stories from this same time period uh, in a trade paperback called Thor Gods on Earth. So it was part of this whole story of, again, you know, Asgard coming to Earth and all that. But... After you know this storyline's the the last like storyline in that trade, but then it also reprints the Thor story from something called Marvel One Shot. Do you remember this from from back in the two thousands? It had um, had a really nice painted cover on it of like classic Thor and a classic Hulk, and it was just called Marvel One Shot. I have it in my collection. I've never read it. But I'm wondering what that story is, if, if you have any idea what I'm talking about. No, I don't think I know that one. I'm going to have to hunt that up, uh, dig it out of my, my long boxes and check it out, just to see why that story. Why, why is that included in there as like, a, like an addendum or a pro, you know, a, a, not a prologue, what do you call it, epilogue or whatever. I'm curious, does it actually relate to this story somehow, or was it just you know filler or something? I, I'm curious about that. But that is actually an issue that I have. I've just, for some reason, I you know have it and I stuck it in a box and never actually read it. So now I have to dig it out and see what that's all about. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. Maybe if, if it's any good, I'll bring it to a future show. Sounds good to me. I like future shows. <laughs> so what you got for us, buddy? Well, I got from not too long after the original Civil War, or the the story Civil War, rather, uh, Thor number three, which was released in November of 2007. It's got a cover price of $2.99. It's got a cover by Olivier Coipel, and the it's apparently inked by Mark Morales and colors by Laura Martin on the cover. Uh, you don't usually see cover colorists credited, so it's kind right. of cool. It's a poster-style image of Thor, uh, and, and he's standing in front of, or, or amidst some flames, 
uh, or an explosion. And he's holding Mjolnir high as Iron Man is facing him in the foreground and barely lit in comparison. And the story is titled Everything Old is New Again, and it's written by J.M. Straczynski, penciled by Olivier Coipel, inked by Mark Borales, colored by Laura Martin, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. The story opens in New Orleans, where Thor is making his way through the continued devastation of 2005's Hurricane Katrina. He's confronted by a man who is saying that they've suffered enough and don't need to deal with any costumed freaks. He tells Thor that if he can't save their future, to stay away. As Thor contemplates this, he's approached by Iron Man, who says that they need to talk. Iron Man starts to think, to speak, and Thor just stares at him, gives him the stink eye. Iron Man talks about how Asgard is hovering over, uh, I believe it's Oklahoma, and that the government is up in arms about it. Tony actually has the balls to say that either Thor works with the government or he's against the government. Again, kind of going to the Tony's a dick uh, in, in Civil War thought. Lightning flash, flashes and Thor finally speaks, commenting on how they hunted down former allies in the Civil War and worst of all, created an abomination, an aberration, and an insult using his genetic code and then told the world that it was him. As this is going on, lightning keeps striking and intensifying. Iron Man starts to try to calm him down but Thor goes on the offensive. Iron Man unleashes his repulsor rays, and Thor just stands there, unaffected by them. Iron Man charges, and Thor uses Mjolnir to hit an Iron Man home run. As he approaches, Thor says that he no, he's no longer holding back, and at that, a lightning bolt hits Tony directly, causing a total systems failure of his armor. Thor takes him and rips off his faceplate and tells him to keep clear or learn what true power is. He has no interest in taking sides in this war of brothers, and Tony, totally whipped, suggests that Asgard can be treated as a separate entity, like an embassy, and therefore outside of the U.S. jurisdiction. Thor dismisses him and just starts to walk away. Tony says that his armor is fried, and Thor just tells him, too bad, walk. And now, with our beatdown concluded, Tony meets up with the man that confronted him earlier. The man is telling Thor to get lost, and a young girl comes out and says, that he's her uncle and asks Thor not to hurt him. As she talks, he says, get off my bridge. Just let me go back to sleep. Waking's too hard. Thor sees his torment and does some magic hammery thing, which restores the man to his true form, Heimdall. We have another quick visit to Tony Stark where he's told about the second, a second presence and he says, let it go for now. And that's the end of the issue. It's, it's a pretty quick read really. And, now we are talking uh, decompressed, but I just got a huge kick out of this from day one at the extent to which Thor just beats Tony down so easily, and, you know, just really unleashes his power. Uh, the artwork, while not as high quality as the issue we discovered before this, is still overall pretty solid, and, and I, I really enjoyed this. And uh, I'm curious what you think. Oh, I, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I like when certain characters, um, you know, I especially love it when it's, say, Superman, for example. In this instance, you know, we're seeing it with Thor. I like where you see just how powerful they really are and the fact that they're holding themselves back quite a lot sometimes in order to... 
to fit in, you know, to to still be able to be a team member. To I, I think I suspect in in Thor's case, I think it comes down to the camaraderie. You know, he he respects these people, but you know they're his friends. He he enjoys hanging out with them, which you know it's one of those things you know you you wonder about sometimes that I wish got explored more often. It was, again, you know, going back to what we were talking about with Dan Jurgen's run on Thor, it was one of the things I really liked about Jurgen's run is that he took the time to explore some things that we'd seen hints of over the years, but nobody ever seemed willing to tackle it head on. And that's the fact of this guy is a god. And at one time, if he's the really real thor of myth as he you know purports to be and that we've accepted over the years as part of marvel continuity that you know he and odin and the others are the real norse gods of myth then that means at one time they were worshipped you know and that they're they're gods in more than just you know name and stature but that they were actually deities to someone and Jurgens had the balls to actually address that and and deal with that fact in some really interesting storylines and and I appreciated that I thought that, that was really cool, and so here we're seeing you know I love and again the stupid pages aren't numbered but I love that panel where or the page rather right after you know they they've had their little face off you know their little staring match and. Tony says, I'll apologize later. And then, you know, in that next panel, he's just unloading on Thor, you know, his repulsor blast. The blast goes off. The next panel is him just standing there, you know, with a little bit of crackle out of the repulsors. And the look, even though it's it's armor, it's a static face, you know, the face plate, you can still imagine that the thought in his head is, oh, shit, because that's kind of the expression <laughs> on this expressionless mask, you know. And, and I credit Thor, that largely to the artwork, the way it's the way it's set up with showing the repulsor rays, showing Tony basically finishing them, show, and then showing Thor just standing there. He's just and, standing and, and there. shown at an angle, looking it up up at him, showing how powerful he is. Yep. And I love that. I love when we get these little glimpses that these guys are a hell of a lot stronger than we often get to see. Sometimes they have to hold back, or or the writers of especially team books, you know, like uh, like Avengers or or Justice League of America will hold back Thor or will hold back Superman. You know, with Superman, it's constantly everything's made out of kryptonite. With Thor, you know, again, reading some of the, the earliest stories as I, I have been recently, Thor is often taken off the table in ridiculous ways just to get him the hell out of the way because, again, he's got Superman syndrome. He's more powerful than everybody else. And so I can see where, you know, certain writers, well, in this case, a lot of those stories were Stan Lee. But you know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. he he would be the difficult one to deal with because you've got, you know, you've got Cap and Iron Man and Giant Man and these other characters that more or less are all on the same level. And then you have a god, you know, then how do you deal with that? And that's the beauty of this particular story is that we are, see, you know, that's the whole point is that Thor's come here to say, you know what, I'm going to smack your ass around a little bit and show you that I'm not to be trifled with, you know, that in a lot of ways I tolerate you. And I like that. I mean, this, 
this is a great moment between. I would love, love to see this on the big screen because we got just a glimpse of it in Age of Ultron, where Thor storms in the room and is pissed at Tony after the whole, th- you know, when, when essentially when Ultron's first born. I love that, and I wish that that scene had lasted longer because it has elements of this, but not near enough, you know? Right. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, it sounds like a terrible pun, but you can see in this where Thor has put the fear of God into Tony Stark. You know, that that page, uh, again, no no numbers here, but where... um, you know, it starts off, you see the Capitol building on the top, and then the tarmac, and then the close-up of Thor's eyes. That fourth panel down, the look on Tony's face, he's scared shitless right there. He is afraid of Thor, and I like that. I think that's cool, because I think you should be, you know? It, it, it's it's the, oh shit, what have I done? Right. <laughs> I'm gonna die. <laughs> right. It, it's... I, I, I like the way that Coipel played with lightning in this. Mm-hmm. Just the intensifying lightning as, as Thor's getting angrier and angrier. Yep. And, and then eventually when he unleashes it and then brings the hammer down on him, just just really quality stuff. I, I, I'm not crazy about his facial drawings. His expressions are fine, but the, the actual features kind of... Yeah. I don't know, it doesn't look like Thor to me, like the face. Yeah, I, I never... There was an action figure um, in the Marvel... What is the current series called? Marvel Universe or whatever they are. The, the, the slightly smaller... They're, they're more like a like an old-style Kenner Star Wars action figure sty, size figure, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And they did one a couple years back of this specific version of Thor. I mean, uh, Olivier Coipel's version of Thor with this, um, with this version of Thor's outfit and everything. But I mean, it was a it was a dead on likeness, so you know you have to applaud it there because it actually looked just like the drawing, but it was ugly because yeah, I, I I like this armor. Yeah, I like the it, outfit. It I like everything functional. about it. I just don't like his face. He looks... Yes. I don't know. For one thing, he almost looks like somebody like pushed his face in or something. You know? Like, yeah, he's got... He's kind of... Like, the face is rounder. Yeah. And yet shorter and flatter. Yeah. And his nose is very flat. He, 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 almost, he almost looks a little... On the cover, he almost looks like Randy Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go back to the cover here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, my God. Yes, he does. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I, I Shit, like it was full. <laughs> <laughs> I like Coipel's artwork as far as his layouts. It's just the faces themselves leave me a little, and particularly Thor's face, leave me a little cold. But other than that, I, I, th- I think the artness is really nice. I think yeah. it tells the story well. I think it, it's it's. It, it, it does a really good job, like like in the other issue did with the coloring. I think that the use of lightning in this really does a good job of showing, you know, just how much power crackles off of Thor besides just the raw strength. Right. And 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 presents him as somebody to be afraid of here. 
And as a writer, it's almost difficult to write a story like this because you're setting yourself up with, okay, he's that's how powerful he is. Now I have to come up with a threat that it's going to be hard for him to handle. Right. So, so there, there are traps with doing this. But on a one-issue basis, I think this is really cool. And Straczynski had a good run here. I was reading it regular as it came out at this time. And, and he had a really good run. And then he was asked to participate in an event. I'm tempted to say Fear Itself, but that could be wrong. I'm not sure which event it was. And and he balked at it and he left the book. Hmm. But Straczynski, yeah. to my experience, is another one of these writers who has very strong beginnings and then kind of peters out. Oh, yeah, that's kind of his hallmark, yeah. So... I don't know that it made a difference that he left at that point because I don't know if it would have gotten better. To my memory, this was the only... And now, granted, I didn't stay with the book very long, which which makes me sad to say because I do consider myself a Thor fan, and I have a very long, more or less unbroken run of Thor, which I couldn't tell you what issue it starts at, but you know, it goes through a lot of the classic stuff. It goes all through, of course... Um, the Walt Simon. So that's really where it starts, where it's unbroken is, you know, with that first issue with Beta Ray Bill and all that. And, and, you know, I credit Chris Honeywell to turning me onto that stuff. But, you know, say from, from Simonson's Thor right up through this, I pretty much have a complete collection of Thor and, and consider myself a big fan and all that, um, you know, through the good times and the, and the not so good times. But, for one thing, the the Ragnarok story that precedes this really left a bad taste in my mouth. But then when they brought Thor back, um, and immediately Straczynski started to take him in directions I really didn't like. I hate to say it, but to my memory, and I, I think I only lasted the, the first year. I think I, d I got the first 12 issues, and then I think number 12 was 600, right? I think somewhere around there. Yeah, and when they hit six hundred, uh, six hundred was my last issue. I, I think that was the issue where he fights Boar. Yes. Yeah. Odin, that, Odin's father, yeah. and he ends up without knowing it's Odin's father. He ends up killing him. Yeah, that was my last issue, and, and that, that, that's what like gets him thrown out of Asgard at that right. point. I mean, I thought it was a good story. Well, up until that point, to my memory anyway, this was the only issue I really liked. There were moments in the other issues, but that this was the only one where I read it, you know, cover to cover and was like, okay, that was a really good story. The other ones were more, you know, they were varying degrees of, uh, I don't know. But the, the big thing that, that was the hallmark, for me anyway, of Straczynski's run was that he brought friggin' Don Blake back, and that pissed me off so much. Because mm. I thought that you're not that alone on that. I, it didn't bother me, but I know uh, Mike Bailey and Gene Hendricks have both told me that they found that very annoying. Yeah, it's extremely annoying because I think that is one of the many things that uh, that were so great about Simonson's run was that Simonson finally did away with Don Blake and and really made you understand that you know Thor doesn't need this. You know, he, he never he doesn't really need the guy. Maybe he never really needed the guy. Don Blake was never really a person anyway. And then, you know, at the very beginning of this, you know, there was that whole 
I don't know what it was supposed to be, you know, that conversation in the mind between, you know, Don Blake, wherever he's been off to cosmically and, and Thor reawakening from death and all this, you know, metaphysical shit that I didn't care about any of that. And it was just from the moment I saw the words Don Blake, I just groaned. I was like, oh, please. <laughs> so the, the, it just it, it seemed to kind of put the character, you know, much like, say, Spider-Man and One More Day and all that. It just seemed to kind of put the character so far back to a place that I, I never really missed, you know. Right. And uh, so the, there was that. But. Um, to you know, to a degree, I really do like the Arthur. I really do like this outfit for Thor. I thought you know, of all the different outfits they tried when they were trying so desperately to update his look and give him a different uh, a different look and a different feel and everything, this was one of the ones I felt really did work. I think this is a very good uh, outfit for Thor. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, I think it looks functional, which is. Not always easy with Thor's outfit. Right. Some, sometimes it looks a little too decorative. Right. And I think I think the chainmail on the arms and legs really, you know, which which is obviously underneath the body plate of it too. Right. So it makes it look like he's ready for war. Right. And 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 I like that aspect of it. From from a story wise point of view, I should mention that. And this came out after it, so I think this may have been influenced by Neil Gaiman's uh, novel, American Gods, oh. which I had read. And that was a similar situation where the gods had been resurrected in human form and one by one were found and kind of regained their memories and became... Aren't they making a movie or a miniseries or something out of that? I thought I read that not long I ago. I think they may be. I had read it. I didn't think it was... I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a good idea. But overall, I didn't think it was the greatest of books. But right. I did read it. And, and you know, I, I, I thought it was a chance to read, you know, kind of like a comic book in book form in, in, as a prose novel. Right. Uh, and it effectively was. But, you know, there's some people who swear by it. They loved it. I, I wouldn't go that far. I enjoyed it. It was okay. <laughs> But it, but it's you know story wise it's a little similar, right? But I but I I, I really like the way it was done here with Heimdall, and and I just wonder like how that worked. Was his did he assume the body of an existing person? Is it maybe somebody who would have died in Hurricane Katrina, and rather than die, Heimdall came into his body and he stayed alive. Because then, you know, basically Thor turns him into Heimdall, and I guess the guy's gone at that point. Yeah, I didn't. I, you know, I didn't really understand how that worked. Yeah, I had trouble kind of figuring out what the the whole but, dynamic was there too. You know, there's the girl there who says, you know, he's my uncle, and he hasn't been the same since Hurricane Katrina. So that would make sense to me, I guess. But yeah, but you then know. you know that that begs your question though: what what happened to the guy? Yeah. Who, who looks just a little bit too much like uh, Logan. Wolverine. Not your son, yeah. Logan. Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so, too. I thought he looked a lot like him. Like like young Wolverine. I am trying to find that... I thought the name of that book was Marvel One-Shot, but that must not be right, because I'm, I looked up Marvel One-Shot, and I don't see it here. So that must be a different name for that book. No, when you find it, it, we'll cover it. I'm just going to have to hunt it up. 
I wonder if it was just called One Shot. Maybe it was just One Shot. I thought it was Marvel One Shot, and it's a Marvel book. Maybe it's just called One Shot. Let's see. This is fascinating audio. All right. Well, while you're looking for that, I'm going to do my ratings on this All one. All right. Uh, I like the cover. I think it's it looks cool. It is something we have inside the story, even though it's poster-like. Uh, I just don't like Thor's face in it. Thor looks big. He looks like somebody you would not want to mess with. Uh, <laughs> Iron Man looks smallish on the cover, and, and that's kind of true to the story. Um, I'm going to say I probably would give this – this would probably be a B plus except for the fact that I don't like Thor's face, so I'm going to drop it to a B. The interior art, I think, is pretty solid. Again, it's it's the Thor's face, and it's not so much that he draws it poorly, it's, I guess it's his character model for it. You know, that's that's the way he draws him, but it I found it a little distracting. So I'm going to say the same B for the interior art. Uh, I do like the battle scenes and, and the power coming off Thor. Probably, you know, it's not quite at the level of the last issue we had by Alan Davis as far as the battle there. It, it, it almost suffers in comparison a little bit. I think as, as a book standing alone, I would think more highly of it. But then when I read it right after that one, it drops at a level. So I'm going to say a B on the interior art. The story, uh, you know, I, I agree with everything you said about, you know, Thor finally unleashing himself and showing how basically Iron Man didn't stand a chance against him. Right. Now, in this one, he didn't break out the Thor Buster armor with Asgardian power. So that, that even stays consistent with the other story, why he was able to kind of hold up against him a little better than he did here. Uh, so I'm going to say an A- minus on the story. I, I really enjoyed it. It's decompressed, but... It was enthralling while I read it. So overall, I'm going to say that that brings it up to a B plus overall. Let me think. Um, cover. Now, there's, this does have multiple covers, so we're just looking at the one here with uh, with Thor, hammer in hand. I guess and, it's the primary cover. Yeah, looking like, uh, like Randy Quay. I'm... That just cracks me up that you pointed that out because he really does. Now I can't unsee that. Um, here, here's my problem: is that I, I like the art, and there's really not anything wrong with it. I'm just like, like you said, I'm not crazy about this artist. Not even so much his style. I, I'm not crazy about his character models. Um, I'm, I really don't like his faces. So everything looks pretty good to me, except the faces. It, it's a weird... Um, I'm trying to think of the two... It, it kind of reminds me of a cross between a couple of artists. Um, one would be that the one that did Secret Invasion. I'm blanking. Lionel Yu, who sometimes... Lionel Yu, I always, I always feels his look, his work... Looks like it needs a strong inker, and they never get him one. Right, yeah, because I, I think the inking in this could be a bit stronger too. The other artist, I'm I'm blanking on his name that it reminds me of. I can't think of it, but anyway, I like the art, but I'm not nuts about the art. So 
the the cover and the interior are I see is kind of you know one and the same. It's saying one is kind of the extension of the other. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I think I'm gonna just go. Uh, uh, I was tempted to go C plus. I, I'll be more general. I'll go a B minus. I'm. I, I think it's good. I just I think it really could use some polish and improvement. Um, but that said, I mean he's a hell of a layout man because that pa that page we were talking about before, with Iron Man blasting Thor and it having no effect, that's an extremely well laid out page. So I mean he's a hell of a layout man. Um, and there are a lot of elements in the art that I really do like. So it's not like terrible or anything. It's just it's. A lot of it's just that it's not necessarily my preferred style of art. Um, that said, story, uh, I, I really like half the story. I, I like right up through where um, Thor promises that at some point in the future when he's not so busy with personal things that he and Tony will be having further discussions and Tony just says right, and they kind of walk away. I wish the issue had ended right there, because this thing, and this was ongoing, this wasn't just this particular issue, but this uh, this thing with Thor seeking out the dead Asgardians and, and resurrecting them from the bodies of mortals, I didn't really understand where the hell they were going with this, and I didn't know what you were saying before about that being a, a borrowed or stolen idea from uh, from Neil Gaiman. I had no idea about that, but I don't know why or, or, or what the whole deal was, but I, I just, I'll be honest, I thought it was kind of stupid. I, really well, I guess, you know, it, I don't mean to interrupt your, your review of it. No, but go ahead. I, I guess it, it's what they're doing is they're setting up a never-ending loop that, that the Asgardians are doomed to go through Ragnarok and then be resurrected and then eventually lead to Ragnarok again. The only problem with that, though, is that then where's the threat? Where, yeah. Where's the threat yeah. to your If you're going to be resurrected no matter what, right. then what's the difference if you die? Because when Superman died, just as an example... It was, I mean, I felt like the greaters, the greaters, the writers rather, went to great lengths to explain to you this was a one-time deal. Superman is back because the planets aligned just right. All the right puzzle pieces were in place to bring him back. But this isn't going to work again. You know, if he dies next time, you know, if he goes out and he faces, you know, Gorilla Man or whatever, and, and Gorilla Man happens to get the upper hand and kill him, that's it, he's done. And I thought they did a really good job with that, with explaining that this was this was a one-time gig, we're not going to make a habit of it, is what, what they were telling us, the reader. You know, it was a wink and a nod. I didn't get that sense with Thor. That was one of the things that did bug me about the way the previous series ended and Straczynski's run started, because I didn't feel like there was ever any moment where they were saying to you, by the way, you know, this was a one-time thing and we're not going to do this anymore after this point no i very much got what you're saying that we learned that this is the cycle of the gods and this is just how their lives work well if that's true then suddenly you just made this character a whole less a lot less interesting to me because where's the threat if i know that if he bites it well the cycle is that he'll come back again and you know, maybe next time around it's it's Balder that has to find him in the body of a little girl or whatever, then where, where the hell's the threat? I just, 
You know what I mean? I, I, well, not... yeah, and it's it's the same problem as the Hawkman, Hawk Girl having been reincarnated. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's a number of characters you can point to like that. But yeah, essentially, yes. I mean, anytime you have a character where you are removing the threat of danger from them that, you know, I mean, what, you know, the ultimate danger is death. If you're removing that ultimate danger from them, then you're removing basically what makes them interesting and, and what gives them, you know, the, that thing that we follow them for, because we want to see them triumph and not fail and not die. And if they're going to die, but you know, I mean, come on, it's comics. We all know that if, even if they die, they're going to come back. But we still, we we pretend, and then we kind of look the other way. But if you're coming right out and blatantly telling me, that's a whole different ball game. And that's kind of what they did with this, is they came right out and they said, no, 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 you don't have to pretend. If he if he dies, he's coming right back. Well, that sucks. You know, I, you, you've, you've suddenly made this somebody I don't really want to follow. And I've long struggled to figure out why why didn't I continue to follow this character in this iteration of him when I had followed Thor through a you know I mean a number of shitty iterations you know I mean you remember how bad it got uh, toward the end of his original series now it got really good right at the very end when um, oh God what was his name Diodato Mike Diodato came in and was doing the the art I forget who the writer was. It got really good right at the end, just before they canceled it. But prior to that, oh my God, was it abysmal. I mean, the art was atrocious. I forget who the writer was, but it was bad. If I could suffer yeah. through that shit, why couldn't I suffer through this? And I think that had a lot to do with it. I just felt like there was no threat anymore. That no, that's fair. I don't, I don't disagree with you, what you're saying. Right. <laughs> but, but I just think you can't play the Ragnarok card too many times, that's all. Right. Like you, even if you know that that's inevitable, it's going to happen again, you've already done it. You can't do it again. Right. No, and I agree with you, but I never felt like they said that. You know what I mean? Whereas, again, DC very blatantly said that. We, we won't do this again. We can't do this again. But I didn't feel like, with, in the case of Thor, that anybody... You know, in this case, Straczynski came right out and said, "This can't happen again." I felt like with him, he was actually going the other way, saying that, "Oh, this is just how it works with them." That, yeah, you know, they'll have Ragnarok every every so often, you know, every couple millennia or whatever, and then you know everything's hunky dory again. And it's like, no, I I, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but that's just the vibe it left me with, and it suddenly made me just kind of disinterested at that point plus beyond this point as i recall that the story did go in some kind of kind of wonky places i didn't like the whole thing with bringing asgard to earth in what was it kansas or whatever because I, oklahoma but i'm not sure yeah I, I just felt like that had already you know they jurgens had just had that he had just done that with having asgard over new york so I don't know. There was just a lot of things with that run that just sadly just didn't connect with me as well as uh, as previous iterations. But anyway, I'm so far off topic when we're supposed to be grading this thing. Um, so anyway, story. I'm gonna give the story. 
you know, I, I really like it. I'm going to give it an A minus with the caveat that I, I think I'd give it a straight up A if it, if it just lacked those last couple of pages. Because the thing with Heimdall, I just could have lived without. I thought it was, and again, this is not just this issue. Um, this was symptomatic of what was going on at this time with the story arc. But I thought the whole finding the the rest of the Asgardians and the bodies of mortals was just kind of stupid. But beyond that. Um, the actual Thor and Iron Man bits loved it. I thought I think that's really cool. I love when uh, when Thor just freaking bats him across town. I th- I thought that was epic. What is the sound effect? Spang! He just goes spang, and he just I mean you can see this this great long. I mean Iron Man is a tiny little figure just hurtling through the sky. And I love when he hit, you know, when uh, you see Thor walking up to him as he lays in that pile of rubble, and he just goes, damn, that really hurt. <laughs> That's just great. You, so, yeah, I like it. Good stuff. And again, I want to see this on the big screen. I really do. So, what's your overall? Oh, I didn't say that, did I? All right, so what did I say for the. <laughs> Shit! What did, what did I say for the art? I said B, art, B minus. Said, uh, I think I said B minus, right? I think that's right. Yeah. B minus, uh, A minus for the for the story. So what's that average out to? Uh, uh, a B? Yeah, I'll, I'll say a B. I think it's a solid B. I think it's a solid yeah. B book. Yeah. I, what I what I what I give it an A minus? I don't know. Whatever. But it's, <laughs> it's, you could. People listening know what we said, even if we don't remember 10 minutes later. They don't listen. <laughs> it's all we can do. But no, this is a good couple of books. Yeah, so this, this is the uh, this is the the epilogue to our shameless obligatory Civil War coverage. And probably what we may do is, even though it'll kind of be out of sequence recording-wise, uh, the week after this episode airs, we'll probably do maybe a... Uh, an Avengers spotlight covering the movie. Cool. So, really something for you really folks to look forward to. I'm looking forward to the movie. Can't wait. Yeah, me too. I, I just hope my, my expectations aren't too high. Yeah. Because they are sky high right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, I found that book before we close. It is, uh, I was wrong. It's not one shot. It's double shot. Marvel double shot. This was, uh, apparently it was a four issue mini I only have two issues of it. I have uh, first issue and third issue. This was the first issue. It's called Marvel Double Shot. It had a painted cover. It was. Jo- I thought it was Joe Jusco. I was going to say that before, but I didn't want to be wrong. But yeah, it is a painted cover by Joe Jusco of, again, it's very classic Thor um, and a very classic, like, Buscema-style Hulk. And those are the two stories that are in the book. And uh, that Thor story was reprinted in uh, uh, Thor Gods on Earth trade paperback i'm gonna have to dig this out and read it because i would i just want to know why all right and then probably people will hear about it unless you read it i mean i think if you think it's good they'll hear about it if you think it's bad they'll hear about it the only way they're not going to hear about it is if you think it's boring yep thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. 
Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. We are Bidzers. Bum, 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 bum. That will be a uh, a bumper. <laughs> no, really? That's all I have is a big giant bumper for you. Bumper boy. <laughs>